Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And I hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarran's back with the good, the bad, and the TV on the Believe Podcast Network. It's the number one podcast network for professionals. Let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1963, when, if TV as we know it, at the beginning of the year, is primarily a way to pass the time to catch a sitcom or a soap or a quiz show or a game. It's transformed into something so much more at its end because of what happens in November when the urgency of news and the immediacy of television come together for the first time. On November 22nd, 1963, President John Kennedy's visit to Dallas is to be a fairly unexceptional one of mostly local interest, a bit of fundraising, fence-mending, early 64 campaign seed-planting. It's covered by a pool of local and national media, of course, and his and his wife's motorcade will be the only thing happening in town as it winds through the streets this Friday. But it'll involve no kind of live coverage from the three broadcast networks that service the nation. When shots ring out seconds after the motorcades turn on to Elm, word is first heard on local radio. A rapid relay from local television to wire services to national radio follows before it breaks on national TV. As a voiceover bulletin only, interrupting as the world turns. CBS news anchor Walter Cronkite heard as a still frame slide that says CBS News Bulletin fills the screen. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. Live video isn't possible. The CBS television news cameras of 1963 have to warm up first. None is active or ready. Remembers Cronkite years later in a 2003 CNN interview. Quote, I was sitting there minding our company's business, and I heard the bing, 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 bing of the wire service printer across the room, and news editor Ed Bliss is saying shots rang out in Dealey Plaza. I said, oh no, oh no, come on, come on. He said, wait a minute, here's the second bulletin. The motorcade has deviated from the route and apparently is going to a hospital. Well, by that time, wham, I am up and active and going over to the printer to try to follow it, and meanwhile shouting for our producer, who happened to be Don Hewitt. And he heard me eventually back in the control room somewhere, and he came out and immediately we ordered up, tried to order up, a television camera. In this case, we didn't have a camera hot, so I ducked instead into an announce booth, so-called anyway, which was a voiceover booth, which we could do just what we were going to do, a bulletin 
and we interrupted the soap opera in progress. End quote. CBS does lead among the three networks in breaking the news first about the shooting by about a minute, but it takes eight minutes to get Cronkite in front of a camera to cover it and what follows, starting with the worst news of his storied career. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States. At which point, TV news on all three networks is all Kennedy all the time, wall-to-wall -wall coverage that day and for three more that follow, in a way and for a reason that it's never faced. This from Paula Bossi on FlashbackDallas.com. The Kennedy assassination and the later captured live-on-television shooting of Leave Harvey Oswald by Jack Ruby put broadcast journalists to the test as never before. News coverage was a solid days-long block with NBC devoting almost 72 straight hours to the aftermath. The immediacy of live television and the ability to learn of breaking at-this-minute news was something that had never been experienced by Americans before. Though broadcast television news had already been doing some groundbreaking work before Dallas, from World War II images of London, rooftops ablaze, to Edward R. Murrow's takedown of Senator Joe McCarthy in the 1950s, Kennedy's assassination set a new standard for how breaking national network news could be delivered. End quote. Or in the words of DC news historian and archivist Patty Rule, November 1963 is when America becomes a TV nation. End quote. It all comes at a time when television as an industry is just 15 years old. Its power and reach and influence are still being explored, tested, noticed, felt. Just two months ago, in September, both NBC and CBS expand their nightly news broadcasts from 15 minutes to 30. The Chet Huntley-David Brinkley team at NBC and Cronkite at CBS are settling in, assuming guardianship-type roles that involve more than delivering the day's news. They are trusted messengers, voices of authority, beacons of information. And for this long post-shooting weekend, they, along with ABC's lesser-known Ron Cochran, are helping to process. They preside over electronic altars at which the entire country sits vigil as an unplanned and bloodied presidential transition unfolds before everyone's eyes. TV is their window to history as it happens. Once people heard that this happened, says author Tevi Troy, they're glued to their televisions because this was definitely not something they had experienced in their lifetimes. End quote. Within an hour of the shooting, writes Tierney Sneed in a 2013 review on the USnews.com website, 
68% of Americans had heard the news. Within two hours, 92% had heard, and half of them found out from TV or radio. And as offices closed upon word of Kennedy's death, TV and radio is where they stay. End quote. Former journalist-turned-communications professor Barbara Zelzer tells PBS's American Experience, quote, It was a time when people had not yet had the kind of event that would cause them to corral around the TV. This was the very first time that TV brought the public together. The first relays of what had happened went out on radio. Television did what was unthinkable back then. It stopped all broadcasting and all commercials. It stayed with the story for four days. It did everything it could to provide people with ongoing information. From Friday to Monday, it provided the American public with an ongoing visual screen of what was going on in the assassination story. End quote. Television is forced to figure all this out, to figure out its role as real-time guide for this Shakespearean tale on the fly. All the footage, all the many iconic images that will become history, that will become memories for future generations, are seen this weekend, between Friday's assassination and Monday's declared National Day of Mourning. The mad scramble at Dealey Plaza for safety among the onlookers that huddled groups in prayer outside Parkland Hospital, the raised right hand aboard Air Force One, the lowering of both the coffin and the blood-stained widow from the rear of the airplane, the Dallas police station mayhem that follows Oswald's arrest, the startled look of both Oswald and his 10-gallon hat-wearing guard, as Kennedy's killer is shot himself, the Monday procession, the burial, the mix of stoic and burdened faces, the heavy and deep sorrow, the John John salute. TV is there, live for most of it, on the scene, in the moment. In its own 50th anniversary retrospective in 2013, Reuters news agency calls the weekend a transformative live global TV news event that swept an industry without a playbook. End quote. When it's over, when Monday becomes Tuesday, reports are that CBS has used 600 employees over the weekend, ABC 500, NBC 400, from the flash apparently official all the way to the salute. A week later, Industry Trade Journal Broadcasting Magazine publishes a 25-page special report on how television covered and shaped JFK's presidency and his assassination. A full-page ad reads, quote, The National Broadcasting Company commends the newsmen and women of all broadcasting for their dedication and taste during the nation's recent ordeal. An article inside under the heading Oswald Shooting a First in Television History reads this way, quote, For the first time in the history of television, a real-life homicide was carried nationally on live TV when millions of NBC TV viewers saw the November 24th fatal shooting in Dallas of the man accused of assassinating President John F. Kennedy two days earlier. 
less than a minute after the shooting occurred. CBS Television telecast the episode on tape, which was made as the homicide took place. Network executives in New York viewed the tape and officially directed that it be placed on the network immediately. End quote. November 1963 changes everything for TV news. From its new and forever at the ready status to its eclipsing of newspapers as the primary source for information. And though it seems equal parts disconnected and unbelievable, it's worth pointing out that the birth of CNN is just 17 years away. The assassination changes the nuts and the bolts, the philosophy and purpose and role of television news. Reuters sums it up this way. Quote, the technology was primitive in 1963, but the idea was born of broadcasting live from the scene, having an anchor for the coverage, and letting the images do the talking when possible. Some of the tasks were daunting, such as moving studio TV cameras that weighed hundreds of pounds into places such as Dallas Police Headquarters, and stringing heavy cables up a wall and through the police chief's office. The look of TV changed as well as the technology. At the time of the assassination, NBC and ABC anchors broadcast from studios that slightly resembled living rooms. Yet the enduring video image is of Walter Cronkite reporting on Kennedy's death for CBS, which moved its cameras to the newsroom, a decision that seemed to increase the authority of its broadcasts and which others would follow. Instant Replay, a technology CBS planned to roll out a few weeks later for the Army-Navy college football game, made its national debut when Jack Ruby shot suspected assassin Lee Harvey Oswald dead in the basement of the Dallas police building. End quote. It's a coming of age for TV news in the purest definition of the phrase. That is, a time that it becomes fully established when it's recognized as having transitioned to importance and when it's clear that it's reached successful development. As one reporter says, the weekend represents six seconds that changed the way media works. And, notes Cronkite, in 2003, there's been a hot camera in the CBS newsroom ever since. You gotta believe. Hey, I'm Jim McCarrens. We'll salute another moment in TV history next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.